But all right, let's get into the meat of this episode. So we'll start off with the big ticket story, which remains the Niger coup, uh, which looks like it might lead to a, cr- a greater crisis in West Africa. And I will just get into why. On Sunday, Niger closed its airspace. A spokesman for the new Niger government, uh, the government's National Council for Safe for the Safeguard of the Homeland. That's who he's a spokesman for. So that's that's the name of the new government instead of the the junta. Uh, it's easier to call it a junta. It's easier to just call it Niger because well, no one seems to miss the old government in Niger. So I don't know what the point of calling it anything else is, but the the official term is the National Council for the Safeguard of the Homeland, but we'll just call it Niger. <laughs> uh, the, a spokesman for the Niger government, uh, he had this to say, quote, In the face of the threat of intervention, which is becoming clearer through the preparation of neighboring countries, Niger's airspace is closed from this day on for all aircraft until further notice. Uh, and he continued, saying, quote, Niger's armed forces and all our defense and security forces, backed by the unfailing support of our people, are ready to defend the integrity of our territory, end quote. Now, those are some powerful words, and those are some very meaningful words. And the reason for this move, as we sort of talked about in last week's episode, is the threat of intervention, as he stated in his uh, well, his statements. Because on Sunday, and the reason this move was done on Sunday, was because Sunday was the day that ECOWAS had its deadline for restoring to power the deposed President Mohamed Bazoum. That was their deadline. They said, you have a week, you have a week to put this guy back into office or we will intervene uh, we'll use all assets available to us, including military. That's essentially what they said. And they said Sunday night. So there, it wasn't necessarily clear when exactly the deadline was. But uh, given given the response of the Niger government to this, which was to close their airspace, we know that they're not going to do that. They They're not putting that man back into power. They said, forget it. And now ECOWAS is looking crazy. ECOWAS, uh, they threatened military intervention, but it's, uh, again, it's clear that Niger is not phased. They said, all right, we're not putting that guy back into power, so I guess you're just going to have to intervene. We know, we know what Niger's answer is. Now ECOWAS, again, they're looking crazy, but they have added a week to their deadline. They've added an extra week to their deadline and this new ultimatum, the deadline for the new ultimatum, matches the one put out by the African Union. Now, uh, the African Union put out an ultimatum, which I missed when I made last week's episode. Uh, so now, sometime, uh, well, actually, next week's episode, both of these ultimatums will have expired. And we'll see if some action is taken. But it, it's looking like, it's looking like... For the time being, of course, because it's still a developing situation. But for now, it would seem as though their bluff has been called. And I'm talking about ECOWAS. Niger has called their bluff. 
but we'll see what happens. Again, this is very much a developing situation. So I'm not going to pretend like it's all over and done. But it looks like they got caught with their pants down. They tried to whip their dick out. And Niger was not phased. So, but you know, people don't take kindly to humiliations and embarrassments. We will see. We will definitely see. I can't say for certain whether it will or won't happen, but what I can say is that ECOWAS was not the only ones threatening an intervention, as France, too, has threatened to intervene militarily. They have also placed a travel advisory on the capital cities of Niger, Mali, and Burkina Faso. And before I, you know, well, I, I guess the question that leaves one asking is, why a travel advisory on only the capitals, not the whole country? Niger, Mali, and Burkina Faso. And the reason that Mali and Burkina Faso were included in that was because they publicly came out in support of the new Niger government, saying that they would treat an intervention there as a declaration of war. Now, does that mean that they would be at war with the countries who fought against Niger? Or does that mean they would support Niger in its war against the interveners? I don't know. It's pretty vague, and that's probably in some ways intentional. But they came out in support of Niger. They did not threaten an intervention in Niger. They have effectively drawn the line in the sand, and they're on the same side with Niger. So uh, you, it's, it's, it's getting hot. It's getting really, really hot. France is talking about getting involved. The EU is talking about getting involved. The, the deposed president of Niger, uh, Bazoum, he has openly called for a U.S. intervention in the country, which, again, uh, this is what you get for wanting to intervene everywhere. This is what you get for wanting to be the world's police. Now people look to you and expect you to do that when we don't want to. Now, if we had made it... If we had made it the norm, if we had made it standard not to be getting involved in these things, he would never have bothered to ask for a U.S. intervention. Why would why would a, a landlocked country in Africa ask for a U.S. intervention? Doesn't make any sense. But that's the expectation you set up with this interventionism stuff. All I'm just saying. But he has called for a U.S. intervention, which at this point, again, given how seemingly unmissed the old government was, and. Uh, the fact that no one's attempted to assassinate the current leader, because <laughs> you would you would see you you would see if people really didn't like the guy, like he, he, even if he was uh, like a good guy, if people didn't like him, uh, you'd you'd see that. Now maybe the footage is just manipulated, maybe that that could be, but from what we can see, it really doesn't look like the people disagree with the military here. So again, as far as I'm concerned, if the if the, the nation itself is on board with the military deposing the old government, well, that makes the military the new legitimate government. So with this, this deposed president calling for a U.S. intervention, which would overtly benefit him at the expense of, well, everyone who wants him gone, which at this point looks to be a, a, a large swath of the country, at this point, that may have just been an act of treason. I don't know if he's going to be punished for that or if they're going to leave him alive. Perhaps for political reasons, they'll leave him alive. 
I don't, I don't think they want too much. Like uh, they're willing to do a, a good deal, but I, don't, I think killing the the deposed president would be a, a bridge too far, even for the new government. But I'm not. But he basically has committed treason by asking for a U.S. intervention. So I'm not entirely sure. Now, perhaps the reason that he's calling for the U.S. could be because we installed him to power. That's always a possibility. It could also be because there are around a thousand U.S. soldiers based in Niger. For what reason? Uh, hell if I know. They say we're fighting Al-Qaeda and ISIS-affiliated groups, but let's be real. We fund and, and arm Al-Qaeda and ISIS and their affiliated groups. So why are they really there? They're, they're, just to be there, you know, it's it's the rot in our military on full display. We have a thousand troops in a, a random landlocked country that no one knew about until yesterday. No one, no one in this country knew about. Why are they there? Who knows? Oh, whoops! They're in the middle of a potential war zone now. So now the U.S. is gonna get drawn in. They're, we're gonna get dragged in. Oops! It's like, uh, I can't stand this. <laughs> but you already knew that, so I won't even go there. But not only do you have a thousand U.S. soldiers based in Niger, you have Wagner Group forces. How many? I'm not entirely certain, but I'd say a, a few hundred, perhaps. Wagner Group forces are operating in the country as well. They are primarily in the capital of the country, and they are also training a handful of Niger troops. And given that Niger has come out on the side of Russia and, and they are pro-Russia, it's likely that the, the Wagner Group, in the event of some armed intervention against Niger, that the Wagner Group would be contracted to help fight against the intervention. And if the U.S. were to participate in that intervention, here's, here's where it gets dangerous, you would have U.S. troops fighting Russian troops because Wagner has been integrated it under the Ministry of Defense, as per uh, the Prigozhin coup, after the Prigozhin coup, and part of the reason for the Prigozhin, uh, I say coup, oh brother, uh, for the Prigozhin mutiny, uh, I had coup on the mind. But part of the reason for the mutiny was because Prigozhin didn't want Wagner to be put under the Ministry of Defense. He didn't trust Shoigu. He didn't trust the high command except for Putin. But obviously he lost that argument and Wagner is now under the Ministry of Defense. They are an official part of the Russian military. So you'll have U.S. troops going up against forces that are officially a part of the Russian military. They're under the Ministry of Defense. In the event that we choose the side of the intervention rather than the side of Niger, and I don't see many indications that we're going to choose the side of Niger. Now, in a world that made sense, the United States wouldn't pick a side at all. Our troops wouldn't be there. <laughs> no one would even be talking about what the U.S. is going to do about this. That, that's a world that would make sense. I'm, but unfortunately, we don't live in a world that makes sense. We live in clown world, where up is down, left is right. Men can be women, and the U.S. thinks it has interests in Africa and Europe and the Middle East and Asia. And simultaneously can't get its border under control. Oops, we don't have interests at our own border. We have we have interests in Syria. 
Isn't it so goofy? But I, I won't dwell on it. I won't dwell on it. We, we have too much to talk about. But you can see the problem here. You can see just how easily all this can escalate into something way worse than anyone could possibly have guessed when the coup first happened a week ago in Niger. It, it looks very unstable. And at a time, remember, when you also have simultaneously, not that far away from Niger, well, Africa is a big place, but you know, in terms of country to country, you have conflict in Sudan. There is literally a civil war in Sudan right now. And you're, if there's a military intervention against Niger and Mali and Burkina Faso are going to be on the side of Niger, imagine being Chad. That's, that's the country whose borders look like the Chad meme, right? Right smack dab in the middle of Africa. Not Congo, not, not the Central African Republic, right between Libya, Libya to its north, Niger to its west, Nigeria to its southwest, and Sudan to its east. That country, if you're looking at a map, that country right there in the middle of Africa. Imagine being them. And you have a civil war to your east, and you have a, an international war encompassing nearly all of the Ivory Coast. Not the country, the Ivory Coast, but you know the Ivory Coast, the region of Africa, slash all of West Africa, minus Algeria and Mauritania. That's a massive conflict. And Nigeria would be participating in that. Because they're, they're in ECOWAS. Nigeria would be fighting Nigeria. So it's, it's crazy. And then, of course, you have the civil war in, in Libya to the north. So imagine being them. And what kind of a difficult and incredibly bad position that that would put you in. Like, and for reasons completely out of your control. And completely not your fault. Like, man, I, I'm just looking at the map of all this going down. It's just a really unfortunate position to be in. And given that there's two conflicts waging in Africa, well, there would be in the event of this intervention going through and the alliances getting called in, the tangle of alliances getting called in on some World War One stuff, it'd create a really bad situation where essentially the entirety of the Sahel would be drawn in, would be sucked into the void of war. Because how does Chad get anything of value that it wants to export out to the wider world if it can't go through Sudan? Sudan's in a civil war. They can't go through Niger or Nigeria because they're fighting a war. Do they go through, do they go through Cameroon? Did they go through you know, the Central African Republic and then through South Sudan? And out through the east, what do they do? Do they or do they participate in the war to secure their assets just out of their own national interests? And it's crazy that this, like all this, pops up in a matter of months. The entire that entire belt running from Senegal in the the west coast of Africa. Senegal running all the way to the Red Sea with Sudan. That entire belt has the potential of being engulfed in a, some conflict of some kind. 
And that's terrible for Africa. And it's going to be terrible for the people. Like, it's already been a, a sizzling, low-intensity conflict that we've observed. Uh, I haven't talked about it too much because we've been preoccupied with Ukraine and the, the major geopolitical things coming out of that war. But it's not like the conflict in Africa ever ended. Hundreds of people dying left and right every week, and it just keeps tallying up. If something like this would happen, you'd get another Ukraine war. Because these it's not like these are potent military powers. It's not like these are, well, we don't really know that. In the context of Africa, some of them might be superpowers. And, some, and it won't be the ones we expect, potentially. But it's 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 getting hot. It's getting really, really hot. And that's a, a theme that I've noticed. Things are heating up a lot. And the situation with Niger is no different, except for whatever reason, for whatever reason, it's now threatening to drag in the entire region, as well as a number of foreign powers who are addicted to intervention. All because of interventionism. They're like... Oh, wow. Oh, wow. I didn't even think about it that way. The interventionist impulses of not just West African states, but of France, United States, EU, the interventionist impulses of all these countries who couldn't just mind their own business, because it's not like this is the first coup that has ever happened in Africa. Like, there was literally a coup in Sudan, you know, before the, the Civil War about a couple just a couple years ago no one no one said anything about that there was a civil war in ethiopia not that long ago no one said anything about that there was a coup in burkina faso no one cared about that now there's a coup in mali and now intervention the threat of a broader war and then mali and burkina faso throw their lot in with niger because if, you, if you're just going to intervene to do whatever you want, whenever somebody else makes a decision about their government, that's a threat to us too. So we're going to side with them to put you in your place, to check, to put a check on you so that this idea of, oh, we don't like the government there, we're going to intervene, doesn't spread in Africa, among African countries. These, the impulse of interventionism created this World War One like this pre-World War One like standoff between a tangle of alliances. Now granted, Niger's alliance is a very motley crew, but I, I, I guess they have the Wagner forces on their side. And the fact that they're landlocked, so the assets that can be brought to bear are uh, a little different than, say, Ukraine. But yeah, it's, it's interventionism taken to its logical conclusion. Especially when you get to France. France, I mean, they they get a lot of their uranium for their nuclear power plants from Niger. So at the very least, you can see the economic incentive to do that. But they wouldn't have banned exports of uranium and gold to France had France left the issue alone. Because the coup in, in Niger was not about ECOWAS and fighting ECOWAS. It was not about fighting France. It wasn't about any of them. It was about 
changing Niger's government. That that's it. That's all. It was nothing more, nothing less. And yet, France decided to get involved, to intervene, or to threaten to intervene. And now they've been embargoed for that stupid decision. If they left it alone, nothing would have happened to them. But the impulse for interventionism created this situation where now they now they're they're in a position where it, it might actually make a little bit more sense to intervene. I don't know what they'd be able to do. They can do some damage, but would they be able to beat Niger? How would they get there? We're not talking we're not talking France the empire in the 1800s we're talking about modern day france who's dependent on the us for military projection capability what would they even do it i couldn't tell you but what i can tell you is that they would not be having the problems that they're having right now which is an immediate shortage of uranium they would not be having these problems right now had they left it alone. But no, they had to threaten to intervene. They had to threaten to get involved. And now look, they, they've been smacked with what effectively amounts to France's equivalent of an oil embargo. That, that's basically what it is. And the EU, if they're not careful, they could be hit with a similar embargo all as well, although that might be too much for Nigeria's economy, because uh, e trade is a two-way street. You, you can hurt somebody by cutting off your trade with them, but that also hurts you if you overuse that tool. So I think they'll stop with France, maybe one or two other countries. I don't think they'll embargo the entire EU, not unless they have another buyer uh, in, in the wings, so to speak. Plus, there's always Kazakhstan, but Kazakhstan is also a landlocked country, and it, it's it's a self-inflicted wound. It's a self-inflicted wound, and uh, it's with this whole military intervention thing from ECOWAS, which even a number of the member states of ECOWAS don't want to go along with it. If they intervene militarily, and they get their ass beat. <laughs> Well, then that's also going to be a self-inflicted wound because the, the people, those men who will die in that conflict, if it happens, will have died for no reason. Well, they will have died because you couldn't keep your hands to yourself. You couldn't leave it alone. And it's, it's the danger of interventionism put on full display. This is what happens when you go sticking your nose in places it doesn't belong. This is what happens when you put your hand on the stove. You get burned when, when the stove is on. And the stove is always on with geopolitics. This is what happens. And if the United States is not careful, we'll end up getting burned too. Because we have a thousand troops in this country. And through no fault of their own, they're, they're going to end up in the middle of a war zone that just spawns on top of them because of geopolitical forces beyond their control and quite honestly beyond their understanding and it's not just the american troops it's not just the american troops it's the american government our government has no clue what's going on right now which is why they respond so poorly to literally everything they 
they just can't conceptualize they're out of touch not just with their own people but with the world they don't know anything anymore the greatest example of that being their constant underestimations of russia and we see how that continuously bites them in the ass will we intervene in niger too and suffer an, an embarrassing humiliation because a, a thousand troops in niger that that's not going to do much i'm be like the u.s military is still good we're still all right but a thousand troops this is not the 1800s we're not going to march in there with rifles while they're fighting us with sticks and stones like that that's not how this is going to go that we're going to we're going to look at them we're going to shoot and then they're going to shoot us back with kalashnikovs and airstrikes and artillery and rockets and potentially even drones because drones are cheap they will hit us with all the tools of modern warfare because a lot of them are cheap and a lot of countries like cheap because cheap is what they can afford and it just so happens that cheap like what we talk about with iran cheap is effective drones are very very effective at reconnaissance and as explodable as explosive munitions that you can control like a guided missile you can use a drone for that and unless you have good electronic jamming capabilities you don't really have much of an answer to that especially if the drones are small so this is the danger this is yet another lesson in the dangers of interventionism i wasn't even thinking about it that way when i wrote this stuff down but i had the thought just came to me i'm like wow they wouldn't none of these countries would be having any of these issues had they left it alone ecowas would not be embarrassed they would not have had to go home with their tail between their legs and wait for the african union uh ultimatum to expire because they were unprepared to actually do anything with their own ultimatum to Bur to not burkina faso to niger france wouldn't be going through an embargo of uranium where which they need because 70 80 percent of their electricity comes from nuclear power they wouldn't be dealing with that embargo had they left it alone and the united states our thousand troops in the country wouldn't be in too much danger not too much actually they wouldn't be in danger at all had we not been there this is what interventionism gets you on that uh, you know what i said it i i said it and you know and you already knew i would you already knew i would but what else can what else is there to say when it's just so clear and obvious what the problem was because the problems came from a certain action that didn't need to be done, but because you did that action, now you get the consequence. And it's for nothing. All these problems for nothing. And that's, it's, it still boggles the mind for me. And I imagine that at some point, it will, well, I imagine for the French, it's gonna start boggling their minds real quick because we're coming up on winter. It's, it's starting to cool down. I know it's, it's August right now but those temperatures drop real fast when september october comes around it's crazy especially if it's a if it's a cold winter oh my goodness but we'll see i have my eyes on europe but we'll see this segment was taken from my podcast this week in geopolitics i have new episodes every monday so if you like what you heard consider giving me a follow thanks for listening and 
Hopefully I'll see you next time. Servus.